right, welcome in and welcome back to the Running Hoops Podcast, brought to you by Super Chicks. Three locations in the state of Utah, American Fork, Spanish Fork, and St. George. They've got all your chicken sandwich needs. Check them out, superchicks.com, and remember that is chicks with an X dot com. On today's episode, we have got actual live basketball to talk about as we recap the Running Ute season opening win over Abilene Christian. I will tell you what I liked, what I didn't like. I will preview the Sacramento State game. We'll tell you five things that you need to know about the Hornets, as well as who the head of the snake is. And of course, we will get into the recruiting decisions of Randall Godfrey Jr. and Colin Chandler and discuss what is next for Utah basketball in terms of recruiting. And we'll go around the Pac-12 and Utah's schedule and talk about the opening night in college basketball. Well, it was a victorious night for the running Utes as Craig Smith and the boys opened a, with a game one win over Abilene Christian, 70-56. to They lit the U in Salt Lake City, and Craig starts 1-0 for his career. David Jenkins Jr. led the way for the Utes with 15 points. Brandon Carlson added 14 points and 9 boards. you love to see that. He kept his word to me and got those boards, didn't he? Raleigh Wooster added 12 points, 6 assists, and 7 boards. And it was a really balanced scoring effort from the starters. So that's something you like to see. Obviously, they didn't get a ton from the bench. But hey, it's just the first game. You take what you can get. You take the victory. And you move forward. So what did I like? Well, I liked Craig Smith. Guy never sat down once. He took the jacket off before the game started. That is a man who is self-aware enough to know that he needs to start with that jacket off. Again, huge energy, always encouraging the guys. He's coaching his rear end off. Really like Craig Smith and what he brings to the sideline, what he brings to this team, what he brings to the huddle, all of it. I'm all in on Craig Smith. The first half felt a little bit like a slog at times, a little bit sloppy, but I really liked how some of the guys fought through rough starts like Marco Anthony and Riley Batten, to name a few. I really like also that they were allowed to fight through it. In previous seasons, if you're, if a guy was having an off night in the first half, he was likely having an off night for the rest of the game, or he wasn't getting some of the chances that he may have gotten if he was more on. And Craig just let these guys fight through it. I love that. That's a coach that is confident in his guys, that believes in his team, and I really liked to see that. Loved the rebounding edge. Utah out-rebounded Abilene Christian 55-29. to Listen to these rebounding numbers. Riley Batten, 10. Brandon Carlson, 9. Marco Anthony, 9. Dushan Mahorsich, 8. Raleigh Wooster, 7. David Jenkins Jr., 6. If you want to know if your team is bought in, look at the rebounding numbers, especially against smaller teams where you've got that advantage. They got in there. They got those boards. It was a huge Huge advantage for the Utes, and they took advantage of getting those second chances on offense and making Abilene Christian a one-trip-down-the-floor team on defense. So great job on the boards. Loved what I saw from Dushan Mahorsic. That is a bad dude right there with some bad intentions when he gets the ball in the paint. Look, some advice to the kids out there that may play the Utes this year. If Dusan is running down the floor and you are in his way and you don't move, that is a bad business decision on your part. That is a guy that's going to run you down. Let me tell you, very impressed with Dushan. Really liked how smooth and fearless David Jenkins was. Not afraid to shoot. Shot looks good coming out of his hand every single time. 
every time he pulled up to shoot, I was like, this one's going in. They didn't all go in, but I really liked his confidence. I love that, that he's willing to be the guy to take that shot. Raleigh Wooster, he's a dude. He is a floor general out there, and he can do a little bit of everything. Really like what I saw from him. I think we're in good hands at the point. Again, balanced scoring from him, 12 points, 6 assists, 7 boards. Got in there, mixed it up. He drove sometimes. He had some nice passes. Raleigh Wooster, a dude, as they say. The defense. Abilene Christian saw 38 from the field, 38% from the field and 19% for three-point range. The defense really locked them down, used their size as an advantage. Again, did not give them multiple trip, multiple opportunities when they were on offense. So the defense did a really, really nice job. Overall, a good opening day performance, I think, first game performance for this team that had so many pieces trying to come together. Facing the top-rated Ken Palm team among all teams that the Pac-12 faced on opening night. We knew Abilene Christian was going to be tough. We knew they were going to be handsy. We knew they were going to make it difficult, make it a slog at times. But I thought the Utes did a good job of overcoming that. And had they not taken their foot off the gas pedal there towards the end, you're looking at a fairly easy 20-point win over a very good Abilene Christian team. Or at least a very tough Abilene Christian team. Now, on to the things that I did not like. Well, number one, I didn't like the NCAA for not clearing Booth Gotch in time to play this game. Come on, folks. You've got the information in front of you. You've got his case. You've been handing out waivers like it's candy on Halloween. Give us a decision. This is getting ridiculous. I did not like the turnovers. Now, Utah had 20 turnovers and only turned Abilene Christian over 12 times. Craig warned us that that might happen, but as I was re-watching the game, Joe Cravens mentioned that offensive fouls are recorded as turnovers, and the officials in last night's game were a little offensive foul happy. I know Brandon Carlson had two. One of them was completely absurd, the hook. Give me a break. And Riley Batten had one, so I'm not as concerned about the turnovers as I was last night when I left the game. But still, you never want to see your team having more turnovers than your opponent. So that's something that they certainly need to work on. Uh, The missed free throws. They're free, fellas. Free throws are free. Guys that I feel like should be better free throw shooters had some misses. Again, game one, game one jitters, all of that stuff. Got to tighten up the free throws. Some of these games down the are going to come down to free throws. And you can't be just giving, giving away points at the line. Uh, It looks at times like they were lost and a bit confused on offense. Now, part of that could be that they were rotating a lot of guys in and out early on in the game, but I think that some of that confusion led to those turnover numbers inflating on us a little bit. A lot of empty offensive possessions, a lot of bad shots, turnovers, you know, some, some bad spacing, all of that stuff. There just looked like a little bit of confusion. Again, It's the first game. I'm not going to harp on it, but it was one of the things that I noticed that I decided to put on my list. And finally, missing the bunnies. A lot of close shots that did not fall. A lot of layups, putbacks, things like that. Look, if you're going to out-rebound a team 55-29 to and some of those are offensive boards, you got to get them in the basket or at least get to the free throw line. And then you got to make your free throws. You can't miss the bunnies, though. You got to get those bunnies to fall. A couple of thoughts from the arena. I am not a huge fan of folks collectively making a big loud noise right before our guy shoots a free throw. 
Does that make me an old fuddy-duddy at this point? I don't know. It's possible. I think they say throw up your you. I don't know, but it's just weird. Like, the arena is quiet, and our guy's getting ready to shoot, and then you hear this and a clap, and I'm not totally sure what that is, but maybe I'm just an out-of-touch old man. I think that the athletics department needs to do a better job of giving the Muss good seats, and they need a wider section available to the students. I would put the student section behind that visitor basket all the way. That whole section. I'd move the band if I needed to. Whatever. You've got to entice these students to come to the games and giving them one or two sections and then making it, having it go all the way to the top of the arena that's not curtained off. That's not very enticing. It doesn't give them the sense that they're on top of the, you know, the opposing players, that they have good seats, that they're incentivized to get there and cheer on their team. So I think that, that there's some work that needs to be done there. And to that point, I think they need to try to manufacture some atmosphere. And if that means that Craig and the team go door to door to the dorms to give away tickets, that's what that means. Or hosting football watch parties before fo- before basketball games, something to get people in that arena to stay and try to create some buzz. You know, one of the things I noticed last night is that most of the the black seats, most of those floor seats were completely empty. I mean, there were a handful of people, including, you know, our hero and leader of men, Parker Van Dyke. He, He was there, but there were a lot of empty seats on the floor. There's no reason for those seats to be empty at any point. If people aren't coming, figure out a way to incentivize the students or run contests. I don't know. I'm sure this is all easier said than done. But you, you got to do some things to create an atmosphere. Having that many empty seats is just a bad look. I know that winning cures all of that. But in the meantime, they've got some work to do to try to do that. Um, I was at the, the Denver Broncos Washington football team game the other day. And uh, when they announced the, the attendance, they, they announced the attendance. And then they also announced how many no-shows there were. They were like, oh, 11,000 no-shows. And the entire stadium booed. Should we be above shaming people into coming to the games? I say nay. All right. When we come back, my thoughts on Utah's current recruiting situation and what is next for them right after these words from one of our sponsors. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about Registered Physical Therapists, RPT Utah. These guys are committed to getting you back to work and play Fast. Their skilled physical therapists offer a wide variety of services, including surgical and non-surgical orthopedic injuries, spine injuries, headache relief, balance training, and women's health. With nine locations along the Wasatch Front, they have got all your physical therapy needs covered. Go to their website and schedule an appointment today, rptutah.com. That's rptutah.com. They will take care of you. I assure you that. All right. Well, let's get to the elephant in the room. Both Colin Chandler and Randall Godfrey Jr. announced their college intentions on signing day. Colin Chandler is heading to BYU after being a Utah lean for a good long while. And Randall Godfrey Jr. is heading to Clemson. He had some very nice things to say about the Utah staff and the campus, but ultimately he decides to go to Clemson. So that leaves Utah with no signees for the early signing period and having missed on Zach Keller, Milo Suzon, Colin Chandler, and Randall Godfrey Jr. Big picture, not great. You get named to the top two, three, five, six, whatever you want to call it, and you don't land any of those guys. It's not great. It's not a good look. 
We would have gladly taken any of them. So I'm not going to sit here and say, ah, we didn't want them anyway. No, we, we pretty clearly wanted them. And we, and we missed. We missed on them. All that said, here's a couple of things just to, to think about, to noodle on. Craig Smith's only been here seven months, and it's going to take some time. It just is. You know, many of these teams that we're losing these recruiting battles to have had a head start of some kind in the recruiting process with that specific player. I know these are four big swings and misses, but one thing to consider is that, you know, maybe it's a little bit more challenging than we think it is to ask a big time player to be the first piece of a rebuild, to be the face of the rebuild no matter how close they were to the program or how much in, in, in Chandler's case, you know, he allegedly grew up a Utah fan, comes from a Utah family. But again, you're asking him to be the centerpiece of a rebuild. That can be a tough sell. It just, it just can be. One thing I think we should be glad about, though, is that they're not just going to fill spots. Craig and his staff are not just going to go get a Chris Seeley or Brandon Wenzel just to fill out the roster. They're not going to get desperate. They're not going to make desperate moves. And I think that's something that really hurt the previous staff because the transfer numbers went through the roof and the the perception was just that they couldn't hold on to anybody. Good players, bad players, it didn't matter. And so Craig's not just filling these scholarships with warm bodies. And I think that should encourage us at least a little bit as we go through this process. Now, They do only technically have one scholarship right now. And no, I don't buy into the scholarship crunch narrative per se, but the fact remains that they've only got the one scholarship. And this year's team, there are those five seniors who do have the option to come back and play another season if they want to. So if the team plays well this year, I'd like to think that that's a pretty good option to have on the table. Now, let me give you some information that I have that I have been told from somebody in the program. There's nobody panicking inside that facility and that their focus right now is on filling that scholarship with a front court need, getting some help at the four position in recruiting. So that is something for us to keep an eye on as they go through the next phase of recruiting this year. I'll also just add that very few, if any, of the top European players are going to sign in the early signing period because they could be pro prospects. They've got club seasons that they're working on. They are going to explore all of their options before they just commit to a college team. Just another thing to think about. And then finally, you remember Craig likes to quote Herb Brooks from Miracle. And what is the quote that he always uses? Not looking for the best players, Craig. I'm looking for the right ones. That is Craig's MO. He's not going to go out and sign guys just for the sake of signing guys. He's looking for a specific kind of player to fill a specific role on this team. And that is what he is looking for. Now, again, I think he saw that in all four of the guys that he missed on. There's no question. But we got to have a little faith. we got to have a little trust in Craig and his staff and their process. Now, a few non-recruiting thoughts. They're going to have to build their own their own momentum. And the only way that they do that is winning. They've, they've got to, it's like I said before, they've got to manufacture a little bit of an atmosphere at the Huntsman Center. And then this team has got to go out and they've got to show that they're bought in. And they've got to show that Craig knows what he's doing, which I think we all believe he does. He, he, he does know what he's doing. But they've just got to go out and show it now. They've got to go out and win some games. And yeah, 
they got to beat some teams. they got to beat some teams that they're not supposed to. They've got a big-time opportunity to start that off on the right foot with Boston College and then Rhode Island or Tulsa in the Sunshine Slam. And then they come back, and it's BYU. So Craig and his staff and his team, they've got to start creating their own momentum, and it's going to start here in the not-too-distant future. Another thought. They are pretty behind right now on NIL stuff. I think that's obvious. Now, I've heard people say, well, what do you want Mark Harlan to do about that? Well, here's my answer to that. I don't know. I have no idea. But you've got a lot of smart people in that department. You've got a lot of people making not insignificant money in that department. And they should be working daily to figure out what they can do and get some of that stuff sorted out so that they don't at least appear so far behind on NIL stuff. And hey, look, maybe they, maybe they are. But, you know, right now it appears that we're getting lapped in that area. Just again, it may just be optics. It may just be fan talk, but it's not a great look right now. I'll just say that. And then finally, you know, my takeaway from all of this, from this whole early recruiting period, the last seven months, Craig's got his work cut out for him. You know, if if we thought that he was going to come in and wave a magic wand and everything would be hunky-dory, you know, just is not the case. He's got his work cut out for him. He's And he's going to... We got to give him some time. We've got to give him some time to do what he does. He wins on the court. He he rallies people around. Well, I think once he gets that part taken care of, we will start seeing some of the off the court stuff happen as well. And one other thought I would add to that is we're going to have a 30 game sample size no matter what this season. 30 plus, you know, Pac-12 tournament, then maybe NIT or NCAAs, who knows, right? But we're going to have a 30, 31, 32 game sample size this year. And so is everybody else. And so you're going to have guys that are going to go into the portal and they're going to look at what's going on at Utah. And they're going to look at Craig Smith and Eric Peterson and Marlo Slocum and Tim Morris. And they're going to say, hey, I want to go play for that guy. I want to go be a part of that. While I don't think that we can rely on the portal, we can't just kick this down the road to the portal, that is a change that we never had before under Larry and previous staffs. It's it's something that's going to allow Craig to, again, go find some of the right guys. If his message is not resonating with high school kids right now, it probably will resonate with some guys in the portal. Just another thought to throw out there. Okay, let's get to the Sacramento State Hornets. Out of the Big Sky Conference, here are five things that you need to know about Utah's next opponent. Number five, this is the second new coach that the running Utes will face in a row as Brandon Laird takes over the Sacramento State program after longtime coach Brian Katz suddenly stepped down on November 5th. That is what we call not great timing for Brian Katz. But nevertheless, he'd been there for a long time and Brandon Laird comes in as the interim coach. He steps in. He's got the big chair now. Number four, They have added nine new players this offseason, including transfers from Robert Morris, Toledo, and San Jose State. Number three, their leading scorer from last year took off to go play pro ball, and that is a full stop. That's all. He just, he left, he's off playing pro ball. Number two, they beat William Jessup the other night. That's a school, not a person. 89 to 59 in their season opener, and they were able to play 13 players in that blowout. It was never really close. They had a lot of guys get to play, some balanced scoring, good good stuff there. This is a cheat, but number one is that this is the 
the only game that Larry and his friends scheduled before they were relieved of their duties. So this is Larry's last gift to the program, the Sacramento State Hornets game here on November 13th. As far as their schedule goes, they play two other Pac-12 teams, Arizona and Oregon State. Both of those games are going to be on the road. And they finished last year ranked 251 in the net and 254 in Ken Palm. And they are currently 312 in this year's Ken Palm standing. So they are very solidly a Q4 game for the running Utes. Now, who is the Hoss, the head of the snake? That one's pretty clear. It's Bryce Fowler, number 23 in your program. He averaged 13.5 points per game last season. He's a 6'6 forward, so he's a little bit undersized, but he had 17 against William Jessup, and he really seems to be the engine that makes that thing go there at Sacramento State. Could be an interesting defensive assignment for somebody like Marco Anthony, who's got a similar size and can really play some defense. I think if you shut down Fowler, you probably win this one going away. And speaking of winning this one going away, what are the analytics guys have to say about this one. Well, Ken Palm, at Ken Palmeroy on Twitter, has this as an 80-61 to 61 victory for the running Utes. And Eric Haslam, at Haslam Metrics on Twitter, has nearly the exact same score. He's got it 79.86. So if you round that up, that's an 80 to 62. So not a lot of variation there as far as what the metrics are saying about this game. And finally, for those of you who care about this sort of thing... Utah is paying Sacramento State $75,000 for this game. Now, as for the rest of the Pac-12 on opening night, the league went 10-2 with Cal and Washington losing games to UC San Diego and Northern Illinois, respectively. Now, remember, Northern Illinois is coached by Rashawn Bruno, who was Arizona State's top guy last year, so we may see the Huskies knock some teams off this year. Nevertheless, not a great look for Cal. They were missing like four guys, but still, not a great look for Cal, not a great look for Washington, and two seats, and two seats got a little bit warmer after opening night. What's next for some of the teams in the conference? Well, UCLA gets a home game against Villanova on Friday night. Oregon State is heading to Iowa State. Oregon hosts SMU, and USC visits Temple. And we're going to be rolling. Where's basketball, basketball, basketball? There's always going to be some kind of Utah or Pac-12 connection every day in college basketball. And that'll be a great thing. It'll be a fun distraction. And I'm looking forward to watching these games play out, these non-conference games for the Pac-12. And obviously getting to see the Utes out there on Saturday night against Sacramento State. The game does not at all conflict with the football game. So if you've got the time and you've got the wherewithal... See if you can get out to the Huntsman Center and check this team out. I know they will appreciate your support. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the Running Hoops podcast. We've got a quick turnaround time next as we recap Sacramento State and look ahead to Bethune-Cookman, that sunshine slam opener, and much more here on the Running Hoops podcast. I want to thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter, at Running Hoops. Subscribe, download, leave a review. Hit us up on DMs. Hey, if you want to sponsor the podcast, let me know. Uh, But until next time, I'm Andrew Crowley. This is the Running Needs Podcast. And as always, go Utes.